The Isaiah passage uh, begins with the people in darkness. Um, the background on this is that the people have returned from the Babylonian captivity, have returned to Judah to re restore the country, to rebuild, rebuild the city, uh, rebuild the temple, and so on. And, and this is really hard work. Uh, think of Haiti after the earthquake. Think of Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Uh, the, the people are in darkness, and it's a land of deep darkness. Rebuilding is very hard. It's like the area has been bombed out. They feel like they have no resources. They have nowhere to turn. They feel like they've been abandoned by people. They've been abandoned by God. They're forsaken. They're isolated. They're alone. It really is a dark time. I went to, uh, on a work camp to New Orleans after six months after Hurricane Katrina, and I just found the work to be basically overwhelming. There was so much trash to clear out, and there was such a shortage of resources, and it was so hot and humid. It, just was, it was just exhausting emotionally and spiritually and physically. It was just hard to get up any energy and it was just easier to think, oh, let's just forget this and go somewhere else. Yeah. It is a time of darkness and defeat. There's no energy, there's no enthusiasm. And then this Isaiah passage says to the people who are sitting in darkness, arise, shine, your light has come. My response to that would be, I don't have the energy to stand up. You know, I can't do it. I don't have the resources. The glory of the Lord shall be our energy, and the light is not the light that I'm generating. It's the light that God is generating. I might just reflect the light. This scene comes alive after Isaiah says, Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord shall come upon you. And then it's just like lights, camera, action. You know, get on your feet. Look around you. Not only is this spotlight of God shining on you, it's enabling you to see. You might have thought you were in the dark. You might have thought nobody saw you. You might have felt forgotten and ignored by the world. But the spotlight is on you now. People can see you. And people are coming. And they're bringing the things that will help you rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. It's like all the trucks from Home Depot in the world are coming to Jerusalem to rebuild it. And there are skilled laborers coming you know, carpenters and bricklayers and people, uh, you know, who lay pipe. It's, it's just a wonderful thing. Look at all the, the camels. Read that as wealth. Look at all the gold that's coming, all the frankincense. The wealth of the nations is coming to you. You have the resources now. The wealth of the sea is coming to you. 
And then there's this beautiful line in, in, in the middle of this passage. Look, look, do you see now that your sons are returning? That your daughters are being carried in their nurses' arms? These are people whose families have been separated. They've been separated by the war and by the captivity and by the exile. And families are being reunited, children with their parents, parents with their children, grandparents with their families. It's a wonderful scene. It's, it's a scene of, of refugees. It's a scene of immigrants. The families that have been separated are reunited. I mean, think of Guatemalans at our border. Think of Syrians in refugee camps. Think of Ugandans in refugee camps in Kenya. Think of any refugee camp. It's a time of brightness. Look around you. Your family is coming together again. It's a time when those who were on the bottom, those who have been ignored, are now seen. And in a sense, they're on the top. They're the ones that the world comes to. Thirty years ago this week, I went on a conference-sponsored trip to Central America to visit Nicaragua, Guatemala, and Honduras. It was a fact-finding trip, and those of us on the trip were to come back and talk to churches in our conference about the situation in Central America. Then, as now, it's very turbulent. We flew into Tegucigalpa, the capital of Honduras, um, at night, there was a full moon. Now, many of us have flown into a city, Columbus, at night. You know, and when, the, when the, uh, the, the captain says, we are beginning our descent to Columbus, we tend to look out the window, and we see lights, and we wonder, well, what is that? Is that West Virginia? Is it Zanesville? What are we seeing? And as we get closer and closer to Columbus, it gets brighter and brighter, and, and you can see streets, you can see houses, you can see parking lots, you can see uh, malls. It, it's just bright with all the light at night. When we flew into Tegucigalpa, it wasn't that way at all. The, the pilot had said we were landing, so we knew we were landing in the capital of the country. But it was just darkness down there. There was a couple random lights, but there was just darkness. You had a sense there was something down there, but you just didn't see anything. You could see the outlines of mountains and hills in the moonlight. We went to our lodging after we landed, and the next day we, we toured the poor sections of, of Tegucigalpa, we learned why we didn't see any light. Because there wasn't any light. The people who lived on the hillside had made their houses out of discarded trash and out of the trees that were on the hillside. They cooked their food. They warmed their huts. 
and the light they had was from the trees they had cut down on the hillside. I realized that when we had flown over the night before, there were no fires. It was night. I also realized that some natural disasters happen for a reason. That since the people had cut down the trees on the hillside, there was nothing to hold the dirt. And so when it rained, the houses slid downhill in the mud. The people of Tegucigalpa were in the dark. And the world wasn't paying any attention. They were not seen and they were forgotten. When I read this a passage from Isaiah, I think of the people of Tegucigalpa and think, what would it be like for them if the light did shine on them? If they were seen, if they were not forgotten, if they were no longer on the bottom, and that they had the resources to warm their huts, to build their huts, to cook their food, if they had food. What if the riches of the world streamed to them? I think, how would they see the world then? Would they say, well, we've got ours. Tough luck for the rest of you. We're on top now. How would the rest of the world see them? Would the first world would be bitter? Would it be resentful? Would it try to take over and get the stuff back? When I think of this passage in Isaiah and all the wealth that's coming to the returned exiles to Judah, what are they going to do with all this stuff after they rebuild? What are they going to do with all this gold and all these camels and all these, these, these luxuries? What are they going to do? Are they going to say, well, we finally got ours and we're not going to share? We're going to hold what's ours and you have to fend for yourself? How will people relate to each other in a world where the light shines on some and not everyone? There are generally three ways that we can get, we can obtain things. Three ways that we can obtain things. The first way is that we take. We just take things. We take the land. We take the oil. We take the food. We take the people. It's mine. You know, we take the light and don't share it. It's ours. It's a world of, I've got mine, tough luck for you. And sometimes people relate that way. Another way we 
obtain things is by quid pro quo. This is probably the most common way. I'll let you have, I'll give you some things if you give me certain things. I'll love you if you'll be nice to me. I'll share my light with you if you meet certain stipulations. This is a world of contracts. It's a world of bargaining. You can get food from me if you pay me. You can get housing if you do certain things. It's a deal. Another way we can obtain things is by receiving. Things are given and we receive them as a gift. Here is the light. Receive it. It's an act of grace. You don't take it. You don't get it. We receive it as a gift from God. The light has shined on the people. And they can take it and hold it. They can bargain with people and give it out. Or they can share it. The light has shined on the people the bright light of a spotlight where they can see and they can be seen. But I think this notion of light that shines on the people can also be interpreted as the light of a bright idea. It's a bright idea that God gives God's light to share it. And it's to be shared with all people. And what are the people doing with the light that they're given? They are to share that light so all can see. It's a bright idea. Now, many of the groups that are um, opposing what happened at General Conference last uh, February have asked that churches that are opposed to what happened last February, the exclusion of LGBT persons, that this Sunday be a Sunday where churches make a statement, where ministers make statements that we do not agree with the exclusionary statements of the Methodist Church. Well, we don't. You knew that. It didn't take an announcement here to let you know that. 
But it seems to me that we can look at this exclusion in three ways. The first is the church is saying that we hold God's love and we're not going to share it. We've taken God's love and some people just cannot have it. And we're resisting that. Another way is to say we have God's love and you can get it if you do certain things. If you change who you are or just don't say who you are. Or we have God's love and we're going to share it. That's the church we want. It's a church that the light shines so bright in that you no longer see a line between insider and outsider. You no longer see a line between the top and the bottom. That God's light and love is so shared that it's just there for all. That's the church we yearn for. When we take communion, Colleen and I give you the bread and you receive it. You don't take it and you don't get it. You receive it. Because that's how God's love is. We don't take it. We don't rob God of it. We don't get it by making a deal with God. We receive God's love freely through God's grace. We receive that love and we share it because it's not our love and it's not our life. It's God's life. This is epiphany, which means shining through. It's when God's light shines through. God's light shines through to all people. And certainly it's God's light shining through as a spotlight that we see all people. But it's also God's light shining through as a bright idea that that light is to be shared with all so that the lines disappear. May we receive that love. Amen.